When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I can barely contain my excitement, Jessica, because Megan is pregnant. She's Yay. pregnant. <laughs> I just told Jessica right before we started recording, I don't want to blow the listeners' ears out by screaming at them at the top of the show, but I did it anyway because Megan is pregnant. She is expecting baby number two. We will talk about that and so much more on episode 12 of Podcast Royal. So on that happy note, hello everyone and welcome back to Podcast Royal. There is so much to talk about this week. Oh my goodness. But before we jump in, I just wanted to say a special thank you to our listeners. We see your kind messages and we see your five-star ratings and we appreciate you. And on that note, I think Jessica, didn't today's Royal Residents come from a listener suggestion? Yes, um, it, it did. So I'm excited to talk about that later on. Stay tuned. Yes. So how are you, Jessica? We are here in Birmingham, Alabama, where the temperature is somewhere around 20 degrees, which is not normal. We had a quote unquote snow day, but as Jessica and I just said, we it wasn't a snow day because we both still worked because we both work from home, but there was snow on the ground, which for many of our listeners happens every day in the winter, but for us, that happens maybe once a year. So how was your quote unquote snow day today? It was great. Um, you know, I actually got up this morning and I was, you know, getting ready for the day and I opened um, the curtains in my room and I didn't even look outside and I was coming down and happened to catch a glimpse of my front yard area. And I was like, wait, did it snow? And I looked out the window and snow was still coming down. It, it snowed for most of the morning. And I was very thankful that I did not have to get out in it. It was pretty to look at, um, but it was nice and warm in my home. Uh, mm -hmm. So on that note, I do want to send um, thoughts and prayers for people across the country, especially in the South. Um, I know there's a lot of people across the South right now with snow and they're without power. Um, yeah. When you live in a climate where that's not the norm, you're just not really prepared for it when it happens. So um, thinking about all of those people and if we have any listeners out there in those areas, um, stay safe. Yes, yeah, stay safe, stay warm, and it will pass soon, I, I hope. I love winter weather when I don't have to get out in it, as you just said, but um, we are also blessed here to both still have power and so we are thinking of those that don't. So 
moving into the Royal Rundown. We have quite a Royal Rundown this week. No matter the kind of week you're having, I hope that this Royal Rundown will bring you some happiness. So let's start with the Duchess of Sussex. She is expecting her second child. A spokesperson for the Duke and Duchess of Sussex confirmed to multiple outlets on Sunday, which was Valentine's Day, that Meghan is expecting her second child with Harry and that Archie is getting a sibling. They said, quote, we can confirm that Archie is going to be a big brother. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex are overjoyed to be expecting their second child. The announcement was made alongside a stunning photo of the couple outside under a tree, Harry barefoot and sitting up holding the head of Meghan, whose head rests in his lap. She smiles as she cradles her visible baby bump, wearing a sleeveless long white dress, which we later learned was bespoke Carolina Herrera. She, uh, the photo was taken remotely by longtime friend and photographer Misan Harriman. No word yet on the baby's due date, but we are hearing late spring. So that made for a happy Valentine's Day indeed. So Jessica, I've been dying to hear your thoughts. I have intentionally, obviously we texted on Valentine's Day when the news broke, but I have not heard your deeper thoughts on the announcement and the excitement of baby number two. Well, congratulations to Prince Harry and Meghan. I'm very happy for them. I was very excited to hear about the news like everyone else. And I have to say that I did love the photo. I thought it was a really beautiful picture and it was really sweet how they were posed. Um, it's, it's definitely a different kind of photo than I think a lot of the, the traditional ones that we expect from um, most royal announcements. Uh, but I really liked it a lot. And Second, I have to say that it will be exciting whether they have a boy or a girl, but I do really feel like Prince Harry would make a great girl dad. I know. Um, I know. I'm just saying that, and and maybe this year we'll have a little Henrietta. I, I don't know, but um, but I would love to see that. <laughs> you know, the most interesting name because they're of course they're already doing betting on names, right? And mm -hmm. so, um, but the most interesting name suggestion was, because of course their nonprofit is Archwell and there's obviously already an Archie. And so someone suggested that if it was a boy, the baby boy would be named Wells. And if it was a girl, the girl would be named Wella. So they wouldn't, that baby <laughs> wouldn't feel left out in the naming of Archwell, which obviously was named before they were born. So um, their bets are already coming in for baby Sussex number two names. I'm not even gonna pay attention to those until we get closer to the due date, but they are already coming in and people are already making bets as they do with every royal baby. So I have a few thoughts on this. So the timing of the announcement I thought was brilliant. They waited for Eugenie's baby to be born and for the privacy case, which we'll talk about in a moment to be settled. Um, and let me tell you, Jessica, every woman should have a man look at her like Harry looks at Megan in this photo. <laughs> Yes. So listeners, if you have not seen this photo yet, although I have no idea if you even remotely like the royal family, how you have avoided it, it's been on every outlet everywhere. But if you have not seen it yet, go to our Instagram. We posted it on Sunday. Um, so I started thinking that Megan was pregnant around the holidays when she was pictured in 80 degree California weather, wearing that puffy coat from J. Crew. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I remember. Then we didn't see her for a long time. So of course I was hesitant to say anything, especially after her November op-ed stating that she'd had 
a miscarriage last July, but we definitely did say something about it and dropped the biggest hints we could on this podcast without actually confirming anything a couple of weeks ago. So I'm pretty proud for us because we kind of knew and we've been talking about this offline for a while, but we, I don't feel like we ever disrespectfully speculated. So I'm pretty pleased with how we, how we covered that. So I personally am also appreciative of Megan for normalizing having children later in life. Megan will be 40 this year in August. And as someone who likely won't have babies until deep into my mid thirties, I'm 34 right now. It is very personal and meaningful for me. And finally, I did get emotional when I learned the news and saw this photo. It was Valentine's Day, so I was already in the romantic, loving mood, but I'm so over the moon for these two, so happy. But also, they announced on Valentine's Day, 37 years prior, Diana announced that she was pregnant with Harry, which gave me chills. Um, There's also tons of interpretation about the photo, how it's set in front of the tree of life. But all I know for sure is that it is a stunning, stunning shot. So any final thoughts on this big news, the announcement, anything, Jessica? Well, you know, you and I, we did text on Sunday saying we totally called it. Um, We did. We've known this for a while. (laughs) I was glad to hear the news. And I also like that they did it on Valentine's Day. That was really touching um, the way they did that. And Valentine's is one of my favorite holidays. So it's always fun to get good news on that day. Yes, it, it it, it made for suddenly a very busy Sunday because as the editor of What Megan Wore, we needed to get a post up about what she was wearing which was Carolina Herrera quickly. And so my Sunday turned from being very relaxing to, oh my gosh, frenzy in about 30 seconds. My phone blew up, but it was the best kind of busy Sunday. So speaking of the Sussexes, Harry and Megan, we found out this week, will sit down with Oprah for 90 minutes on March 7th on CBS. This is being billed as an intimate conversation and nothing is off limits apparently. This is the first time that Oprah has sat down with the Sussexes since their engagement. And the couple, of course, are Oprah's neighbors in Montecito, and she was at their wedding in 2018. So thoughts on this, Jessica? Yeah, well, you know, I've been seeing some stuff online uh, today and and on social media about this. um, And... I, you know, I don't know. I kind of wonder what you think about it. I think I think it's really interesting. Um, part of me, you know, wonders um, where they're going to go with this interview for it to be called an intimate interview. I mean, we know they've said before that they want their privacy. So how intimate is it going to be? What are they going to cover? Um, and then I also sent you an article this morning that talked about yeah. some speculation around Um, You know, so Buckingham Palace has said that they're no longer working members of the royal family, so they really don't have to, you know, get approval from the palace for any type of media engagements that they um, that they do. Um, And so now people are questioning, you know, where they stand in this 12 month review period um, and, you know, do they risk losing any titles or patronages. Um, So I'm kind of curious to know your thoughts on this, Rachel. Well, I think we've discussed this on the podcast before that I'm quite confident that after the 12-month review period, they're not going to be 
making any changes to move back into senior working roles in the family. They have contracts with Netflix, Spotify. They are in California. They are doing their own thing. And so I know, I mean, I love Oprah who doesn't, but I know that Oprah asks the tough questions in a thoughtful way. And these two are personal friends with her. So I think she is going to be respectful, but also go there. And I think that we're getting hints of that in that it is an intimate conversation and that it is no holds barred. And we saw Megan and Harry for that matter, be very vulnerable in the ITV South Africa documentary in 2019. And they weren't even being interviewed by Oprah. Oprah is able to bring out the deep emotions in her guests. I have no idea what to expect, but I certainly can imagine that it will go there and it will go deep. And we'll talk about the privacy case, which we'll discuss in a second. We'll talk about the miscarriage. We'll talk about baby number two, everything. Um, I think it's gonna be 90 minutes of must-see TV. I will definitely be there. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, I think my hope with this is that they, they conduct the interview in a way that is respectful of the royal family. Um, and, um, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll just see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I don't think that they're coming back to be working royals anytime soon. However, that does not mean, as you just said, that they should in any way disparage the family. I don't think they will do that, but I also think that they will be honest. And I think that, oh gosh, we're just gonna have so much to talk about after that interview. If this weren't COVID, I would be like, let's do a watch party, but we've, we'll, we'll watch and obviously give you all of our thoughts. So any more Sussex baby commentary? I don't think so. I'm just looking forward to seeing what um, what's ahead. We're happy for the Sussexes and we still, by the way, don't have a Eugenie baby name. And I know that royal baby names sometimes take a couple weeks to announce, but I thought we'd have one by now. But obviously the news has shifted a bit from Eugenie's delivery to Megan's pregnancy. And so we are recording this on February 16th, Tuesday, and we still don't have a baby name. I'm hearing Philip all over the place. Didn't you suggest that last week, Jessica? I did, yes. Yeah, I'm hearing that that's the top contender. Obviously we know it's a boy, so um, I'm hearing Philip is, is the pick, but we'll see what happens. And hopefully by next week when we record, we'll have a name. So I also want to bring this up with all the ado that was paid to Eugenie and Jack moving out of Frogmore Cottage <laughs> when they brought their baby boy home from the Portland Hospital last week. Where did they bring him home to? But Frogmore Cottage. So it looks like the Brooks Banks move out was only temporary and they are back home now and nesting. It should also be noted that while we did get a sweet shot of Eugenie in the backseat of the car waving as they exited the hospital, there was no formal photo call. So we, meaning us and every other media outlet made much ado about nothing, which, you know, sometimes the media tends to do about the Frogmore situation. So they're back there. 
congratulations again to the Brooks Bakes family. I feel like they've been majorly overshadowed over or since Megan's announcement on Sunday. But um, Jessica, I was going to ask you, why do you think everyone made such a big deal about the Frogmore situation? And what are your thoughts on the name? Are you still holding strong with Philip? I would love uh, to see Baby Brooks Bank be named Philip. Um, so I I'll wait and see, but I would love that. Um, you know, I really, this goes back to what we what we touched on before. I think the media just needed something to talk about when they moved out. It was a quiet time, and um, you know, I I feel like they they just wanted to come up with with something for people to speculate on and, and comment on. Um, I, you know, I feel like they probably moved out for maybe some type of unexpected maintenance issue or a project that they didn't anticipate they would need to be moved out for. Um, you know, again, it was only temporary, which we initially uh, stated in our in our podcast episode um, several weeks ago that, that we kind of figured it would be temporary. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually a little bit surprised that they moved back in right away after the baby was born. I kind of thought um, they may be staying with her parents for a while while they transitioned into parenthood and, and learned how to care for a baby. But um, but they're back and I'm glad that they are home and enjoying the baby and, and enjoying Frogmore Cottage. Yes, absolutely. So congratulations all around. So now we are on baby watch for Megan, Zara, Pippa and um, Sophia of Sweden. So we've got lots of things to look forward to in 2021 on the baby front. So jumping back to Megan for a moment, Megan had a huge win in court this last week, winning her privacy case against the Mail on Sunday's publisher. So let's back up for a moment for those who may not know the backstory. So Megan took legal action against the publication after parts of a letter she wrote to her father, Thomas Markle, before her 2018 wedding were leaked in February 2019. In October 2019, if you'll remember, right after she and Harry's return from South Africa and their tour there, Megan announced that she would be taking legal action in the matter. In the summary judgment for the case, which was finally released last week, it read, quote, there will be summary judgment for the claimant on the claim for misuse of private information and on the issues I have identified in the claim for copyright infringement a hearing or hearings will need to be fixed for the determination of the remaining issues in the copyright claim and for the determination of what remedies should be granted. So that's a bunch of legal jargon mishmash, but the bottom line is Megan came out victorious. She released a statement following the judgment saying she was, quote, grateful to the courts for holding Associated Newspapers and the Mail on Sunday to account for their illegal and dehumanizing practices. These tactics and those of their sister publications, Mail Online and the Daily Mail, are not new. In fact, they've been going on for far too long without consequence. For these outlets, it's a game. For me and so many others, it's real life, real relationships, and very real sadness. The damage they have done and continue to do runs deep, end quote. So she also said that she hopes the case creates, quote, legal precedent that you cannot take somebody's privacy and exploit it in a privacy case as the defendant has blatantly done over the past two years. She ended her statement by writing, I share this victory with each of you because we all deserve justice and truth and we all deserve better. There will be no trial and the matter is closed. So Jessica, what are your thoughts and do you agree with the ruling? 
Well, I think she's right um, in, in that, you know, the media certainly crosses lines and, and they invade people's privacies. And I, I agree that there needs to be a line drawn when it comes to private matters for the royals. I mean, you know, we've talked about how Princess Diana was harassed by paparazzi and, and media. And I think that's had a huge impact on Harry and, and how he um, reacts with his own family now as an adult. Um, but regarding Megan's specific case, um, I'm not going to disagree with the ruling. I still do kind of question um, the backstory on that letter. When I read it, just the way the words were used, um, the way it was written was a little odd to me. Um, it, it did to me sound like a letter that was written for someone else to read. Um, and, and I don't know, you know, I don't know if that's true, but that's just my opinion. And that was kind of my takeaway from it. You mean like um, someone else other than her father? Yeah. You know, I know, you know, she had it reviewed by the palace and, and I just, I don't know if it was that it was written for only her father, but they expected that maybe it, it might get out of his hands and into someone else's and they wanted to, um, you know, review that just in case. I don't know. I just got kind of a weird uh, vibe when I read it. So I, I don't know, but I, I hope we don't have to read any more about, um, you know, the drama there with that. Um, so I do agree with her that they overstepped boundaries um, and, and someone needed to draw a line there. I just will never understand why the British media hates Megan so much. And even after her pregnancy announcement, there is hatred and vitriol to be found in the British press. And I don't understand it. Maybe the sentiment is that they feel that she took Harry away from them, I, even though he was never theirs to begin with. In fact, quite the opposite after his mother's death, especially. And I just will never understand why people could find even, even their beautiful announcement on Sunday to be a cause for vitriol. And I think why they did that, because I think the main argument this week, right, is that they asked for privacy, but here comes this beautiful staged photo announcing her pregnancy. Well, here's why, is because the amount of money that was likely put on the line to get a shot of her baby bump, which is obviously, as we saw in the photo, she can't hide it anymore. They would rather announce it and break the news themselves and have control over that then have a paparazzi shot of Megan going to, you know, wherever she goes in Montecito or Santa Barbara, make so much money. And so it's just about taking control of the narrative of their own lives. And I mean, I just am appalled, honestly, at some of the hate that I'm hearing from the British press about this. And I'll just never understand, but any final thoughts on that? I don't think so. I think we covered it. <laughs> Move, <laughs> moving right along. Okay, so I, <laughs> I really, really, really do not like commenting on pregnancy news that is not confirmed, which is why we never really did that with Megan, even though we pretty much have known for a couple of months that she was pregnant. But 
Even before Megan's announcement on Sunday, headlines surfaced late last week that Kate and William are trying for baby number four and that the queen has been informed, which to me is very odd and very creepy. Like, hi, granny, just so you know, the Duchess and I are at it again. I think that's like super weird, but anyway. That's what happens when you're heir to the throne, I suppose. But this news is coming from multiple outlets, which is why we're bringing it up. I have always said that the Cambridges would have four children just as the queen did. And if you'll remember, the queen had her fourth and final child, Edward, in 1964, when she was nearly 38, which in that time was definitely what was considered a geriatric pregnancy. These days, it's much more common to have babies later in life. And as we know, Kate just turned 39 last month. So Kate and Megan right now are both 39. The article I read on Mary Claire said that having four children was always Kate's plan, but COVID halted their efforts for number four. Apparently William wasn't convinced that they should have a fourth child at first, but Kate's persuasive powers won out. I still do feel kind of icky commenting on this, but Jessica, I would love to hear your thoughts. And after Louis was born, did you think they were done having children or did you think they had a fourth in them? <laughs> this whole that's a, that's this a whole weird story. way to say that's a weird way to say that. I kind of hate this. I look, I kind of hate this conversation, okay? But I feel like we can't not comment on it because it's not okay. Listeners, just don't kill the messenger, okay? Like we did not write this. We are simply reporting the news and commenting on what someone else wrote. So please do not come at us for talking about this because we are just the messenger. But anyway, Jessica. Well, I mean, here's the British press edit again, but with, with Kate this time. So I, you know, I kind of wonder how these private conversations make their way out, you know, in, into the public um, eye, unless, unless they are made up, but um, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked if they announced another pregnancy. I think, Kate is a fabulous mom and I could easily see her taking on more children, um, you know, but I, I do feel like their family feels complete as it is. Um, and, and so part of me might be a little bit surprised if we had another pregnancy announcement, but um, I don't know. I don't know if it's just a bed story to give us something to talk about or if something's really going to happen, but I would certainly be excited uh, to see another little Cambridge running around. They do make them cute, don't they? They absolutely do. And they've got plenty of adorable um, clothes they can pass down to a fourth one. Absolutely. So we'll see what happens there, but um, yeah. I don't really like talking about unconfirmed pregnancies, but it's out there. So I think it, how fun would it be if the Cambridges and the Sussexes were expecting at the same time? So that would be fun. Yes. Uh, but it, does, it does feel like we're talking about something that should be really private. Like, you know, it feels like we're um, talking about something that we shouldn't talk about. <laughs> yeah. And like talking about like, yeah, what goes on in their bedroom and like, reporting to the queen and Bob, I don't know. So we're moving on, but we said it, we covered it. So there it is. And we probably won't talk about it again until we have some kind of confirmation, which may or may not ever happen. So there you go. Okay. Finally, in this week's rundown, Charles and Camilla have been given the COVID vaccine. This comes after the queen and Philip received their own vaccines earlier this year. And Charles, of course, tested positive for COVID last year around this time, maybe a little later, March, April-ish, 
at the start of the pandemic. So Jessica, who do you think will be next to get vaccinated? We are just full of speculation. speculation. <laughs> this week, aren't we? This is episode 12, the speculation episode. Um, you know, I know a lot of people are wondering right now if and will the Cambridges will get the vaccine. Um, you know, they've been doing a lot of work in the news with the NHS and all of the work that's going on there with their COVID efforts. Um, but is it is it bad that I really don't care? You know, I, I feel like this kind of goes in line with the pregnancy stories. Um, I do feel like the personal health decisions of members of the royal family is a private matter and the public really doesn't have the right to know that information. Um, I know people feel like they should be championing this and, um, you know, reporting when, when they get this, um, when they get the vaccine. I don't know. I, I don't know who the next people will be. I imagine it will go in line with, with age um, based on how they're, um, getting the vaccine available to everyone in the UK. But to me, it, it, it's really, um, it's a personal matter and it, it doesn't, I don't really care um, who in the royal family gets it next and, and who decides to hold out. There you have it, my friends. <laughs> the final, <laughs> the final word. Um, but we're just happy that the Queen and Philip have been vaccinated, Charles and Camilla. And we will see what happens as far as that. I personally can't wait to get my own vaccine, which cannot happen soon enough. So that is what I have for this week's Royal Rundown. Anything else on anything we covered, Jess? I feel like this is a jam-packed episode with so much going on. You know, we've had a, we had a few weeks of um, slow news early in the year, but things are really picking up now. I know, and I think 2021 is going to continue in this vein. I hope so. Anyway, we've got a lot to talk about. Again, congratulations to the Sussexes and the Brooks Banks and just everybody. And I'm handing it over to Jessica, who is going to take us to the beautiful home of the Sussexes in California. Well, first of all, before we jump into that, um, I do want to mention that today is Shrove Tuesday. So we're actually recording on Tuesday before Ash Wednesday, which is the start of Lent. Um, and today is also known as Pancake Day or Fat Tuesday, depending on where you live. Um, and wanted to mention that because I saw the Royal Family Instagram account shared recipes today for three variations of pancakes. So they have one out there for jam and cream pancakes, classic lemon and sugar pancakes, and savory ham and cheese pancakes. Um, and I've been seeing a lot of videos going around on Instagram about Pancake Day. And I've noticed that pancakes in the UK are really thin and they're more like crepes, where in the US, if you come here and have pancakes, they're really thick and fluffy. And we almost always have them with something sweet like maple syrup or fruit and sometimes even powdered sugar. Um, so I just thought that was fun. Wanted to share that. If our listeners are looking for a fun recipe, go out to the Royal Family's Instagram account and check that out. Um, I My mom is from England and I do remember as a child um, when we had pancakes, she was a big fan of the lemon juice and sugar combination. Mm -hmm. um, um, and it's very good. And I don't know about you, Rachel, but when we wrap up recording, I'm thinking about going and making some pancakes. That sounds amazing. I love a good breakfast for dinner. That, okay, now I've got to make pancakes. 
Yeah, so we are recording this in the evening. Um, so I will probably do a pancake dinner tonight. <laughs> yes, uh, I might have to do the same. I haven't eaten yet either. And now I'm hungry for pancakes. <laughs> I was wondering why they, because Kate a couple years ago, or maybe more than a couple years ago, did, no, it was one of her first engagements was uh, cooking pancakes, how, making pancakes whatever oh. she she did pancakes for one of her engagements and I was wondering why they were rerunning that and now that makes a lot of sense yes it does um okay so this week actually wraps up our series on royal residences I know we have not covered all of the many residences of the British royal family um, and we'll certainly revisit this in the future and we'll cover more but I felt like we've been doing it for four weeks now. So it seems like a good time to kind of put a soft close on that um, and focus on some other topics in the weeks to come. I've loved this series though. You've done a great job with it. I, I'm glad. I have really loved it too. And we've gotten some good feedback. So we'll definitely revisit this again in the future. Um, but I want to start out by saying the residents that we're covering today is not what I originally expected to cover. Uh, but one of our listeners, Rachel, not this Rachel, we have a listener named Rachel. Um, she hopped on our Instagram and asked us to talk about this. So today we are going across the pond to the U.S. and we're going to check out um, Harry and Meghan's digs in California. Which is appropriate because of the amount of Sussex news we had this week. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I feel like this entire episode has really been the Harry and Meghan show today. Um, <laughs> we covered so much news on them, um, so it's very fitting. Um, and I do want to note before we hop into this that there's not nearly as much on their current home, um, you know, out there on the internet as you might find on Sandringham or Balmoral, um, because we just don't have photos online of the inside of their home. So, I'm going to do the best I can here and pull from what I was able to find online and hopefully um, hopefully our listeners will will be able to get some inspiration from that. So first off, if you don't know, the couple now resides in Montecito, California, which is in the Santa Barbara area. It's about 90 miles north of Los Angeles. So Montecito actually means a little mount in Spanish. This area is much more secluded than, you know, like the heart of LA or Hollywood. It offers so much more privacy, which the couple said they were looking for when they decided to move to the US. Um, so Montecito is also extremely wealthy. Um, I actually read an article this week that said if Harry and Meghan were to go out and go shopping in Montecito and the local businesses around town, most of the uh, residents there are likely to barely even notice them or, or turn their heads to give a second look because everyone in Montecito is so high profile. They really probably aren't ooing and awing over the sight of the Duke and Duchess. They so, probably love that. Yeah, I mean, that, that sounds like exactly what they were looking for. And isn't Oprah their neighbor? Yes. So um, as we've mentioned before, and as you just stated, Oprah, um, she lives in Montecito. And other celebs that um, call this area home include Rob Lowe, Katy Perry, and Ariana Grande. So typically, this is an area where celebrities move once they kind of grow tired of the craziness of LA and they just want a more private home life. 
Um, it's also a lot more difficult for paparazzi to snap photos of Harry and Meghan's private moments in Montecito. So the roads in this area are designed to be very private. There are a lot of gated communities and a lot of security keeping watch on all the entrances of the homes. So um, it's just overall a better place for privacy. Um, and a lot of people find Montecito to be really attractive because of its Mediterranean-like climate. So if you don't know this, Harry and Meghan's home is known as the Chateau. Did you know that, Rachel? I did not know that, but very fancy. Yeah, it has. It has a name. Um, and this makes total sense. It gives off a very European countryside vibe. It's actually sort of funny that Harry moved to the U.S. to find a place that feels like the European countryside. <laughs> <laughs> it probably feels like home to him. Right, Yeah. So the Chateau, which was built in 2003, is situated on more than five acres of land. I actually saw two articles. One said it was just over five acres and one said it was just over seven. Um, so it's somewhere in the five to 10 range. And we've gotten um, some of the glimpses of their outdoors from Zooms they've done and mm -hmm. um, appearances they've done. And it was the the photo from Sunday, was that on their property? I sort of imagine it was. It looked like, based on other photos I've seen, it looked like their their home area. Yeah, because if you look at the Christmas card, the one that is the drawing of Archie and the two of them at, at, and the dog at the playhouse, mm -hmm. you can kind of see a tree in the background that looks like the tree that they're sitting in front of in the photo. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely think it's somewhere, somewhere on their property. Yeah. So at one point, the Chateau was listed on the market for 34 and a half million US dollars. Um, however, it is reported that Harry and Meghan snagged it for a steal at 14.65 million. Hey, how is that possible? How do you save $20 million on a home? Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Uh, but I guess pretty good deal <laughs> uh yeah whoever was their real estate broker deserves like all the clients that's amazing so the home has nine bedrooms and 16 bathrooms spread across its 18,671 square feet my goodness yeah so compare that to like you know a small apartment in the city. I mean, they have lots of room to spread out and lots of room to welcome the baby. Uh, yeah, I think they've got <laughs> the baby could have three nurseries and there'd still be plenty of extra room. If you thought Anmer Hall had a lot of amenities for the Cambridges, wait until you hear what the Chateau has to offer in the way of perks. Um, so this home has a gym, a pool, a dry and wet sauna, a billiards room and arcade, a tennis court, a theater, a wine cellar, an olive grove, rose gardens, a library, an office, a five-car garage, an elevator, a tea house built over a pond. <laughs> and it's been reported, I, I don't know the truth of this, but it's been reported that it even has a stripper pole. I mean, I hope it does. And I hope Harry uses that liberally. I'm here for it, baby. <laughs> Those workouts can be really great, but um, yeah, so, 
<laughs> what do you oh, think I about can't. all of those amenities, Rachel? Oh my gosh. I mean, like I could probably like live there and they'd never know I was there and like, just try to avoid them in the dry and wet sauna, you know, like I, oh, I'm here for it. I love it. Yeah. I was really intrigued by the olive grove. Um, it makes sense with it being a Mediterranean climate that they would be able to grow olives really well there. But wouldn't you love, I mean, if you had that money, wouldn't you love to pay someone to come make homemade olive oil? Oh yeah. And you know, olive oil is great for the skin too. That's a whole other episode, but yeah, th I mean, this sounds absolutely amazing. And it's so sad that we only see small little glimpses of it on zoom. I want the whole like MTV Cribs tour of this place, like amazing. <laughs> right, I know. Um, so I will note before we talk about the design elements of the home, I was only able to pull images um, from the listing before they purchased it. So we'll be able to talk a little bit about the architecture, uh, but remember that the decor was staged for the listing. So because of that, um, I thought we could also try to talk a little bit about Megan's previous LA home and maybe get some ideas from both on, um, on her style and then what we already know about her style. So we'll jump into the chateau. Um, from the outside view, you can see the home has ivy growing up the exterior walls and it has a flat roof line. Inside, there are wood beamed ceilings, wood floors, arched doorways, and several several stone fireplaces throughout the home. We've seen a couple of those on Zoom in the background. Yeah, I wish I had a count on how many fireplaces they were, there are, but um, I mean, they, they pop up in some interesting places. So um, the kitchen is quite spacious. It's got two islands. It's a country style kitchen with a white farmhouse sink and a large window over the sink with views outside. Um, and, and here is an interesting place for a fireplace for you. So the listing also showed one of the bathrooms with a large bathtub set in its own little nook and a fireplace in the bathroom with a mantle made of marble or some type of gray and white stone. Um, so, I mean, wouldn't you love to sit in a bubble bath with a fire going? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, again, I could probably like, you know, be in the house and know that's creepy as <laughs> but yes, I would like a fireplace in my bathroom. I'm down for that. So the billiards room looks to me just like a small pub or a casino. Um, it's got a jukebox, a poker table, a pool table, and it's actually got like a real bar set up in the back with bar stools. So, I mean, this would be like the ultimate party um, if you had your friends over and um, wanted to hang out in the billiards room. Um, moving along to the wine cellar, this little space features stone walls, a stone floor, candelabras, um, and little slots or cubbies for wine to be nestled into the wall. Um, I mean, I didn't do a count, but when I looked, I mean, it looked like you could probably store over 100 bottles of wine um, in the little wine cellar. And then there's a little wooden table and chairs in the center of the room that I imagine you could have friends over and do wine tastings down in your cellar. Um, very, a very nice looking wine cellar. I think anybody would love to have that in their home. Do you remember when we went on a wine tasting one day? I do. Yeah. Okay. Well, to our listeners, um, let me just say, 
Alabama wine tasting is is so much fun, uh, but it I'm sure it does not compare to Napa. Hey, I loved it. I mean, but yeah, like I'm sure that it gets better in California. But Megan, as we know, is a huge wine aficionado. The TIG is named after a brand of wine that I'm going to mispronounce this, the TIG in yellow or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so we know she loves wine. So I bet she's got some fine wines in that wine cellar. Yes. Yeah. Rachel and I did a wine tasting. Um, gosh, was it a couple of years ago? Yeah. I think that was in, that was in 2019. Um, yeah. And it was so much fun. Um, one day, one day we'll do that again. We need to go to the other winery, but I digress. Like we need to try them all out. Well, we went to two yeah. that day. We went we to two, two that day. Two in one day. Yeah. Anyway, we, I was, I, <laughs> God bless Jessica for driving because I was very, very tipsy after going to two wineries and tasting (laughs) like probably 40 different kinds of wine. But anyway, Jessica was responsible and driving. So thank you. Well, I had plenty of cheese and (laughs) had a charcuterie board with our wine. So yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, so outside the patio area is surrounded by like an iron fence. Uh, maybe about waist high or so with a pergola style roof over the top, letting sunlight kind of shine through down on the patio. Um, There's a telescope secured to the patio if you want to take a look at the stars at night Um, and an outdoor fireplace, another fireplace with a really tall chimney. Um, The patio overlooks the rolling California hills. And I mean, honestly, Rachel, it, it looks like you are on vacation at a resort. Can you imagine living there every day? I know. I mean, you really, if you're there and in lockdown, like California has been, you wouldn't miss anything because you would have everything there. You would never be bored. Yeah, you'd be just fine. So um, we did get um, one little peek into the couple's home in a recent um, online chat they had, and we could see a few elements of Megan's style. So I'll just note that um, in this picture, the couple was sitting on a light neutral colored sofa um, with tan and black striped pillows. There was a narrow table behind the sofa um, with coffee table books stacked up on the table. Um, some white pillar candles and green hydrangeas in the vase. Um, And then against the back wall in the photo, we could see a wooden blanket ladder with a gray and white striped blanket draped over the ladder. So that was a little glimpse that we got into their home recently after they had moved in. And I can confirm that those candles were diptyque. So if anybody's looking for Megan's specific preferred brand, those were diptyque candles. Yes, I do know she likes diptyque, um, so definitely a little splurge there, but <laughs> yeah, I think that's a little bit out of my price range, but maybe someday. So that wraps up what we know about Montecito. I do recommend to our listeners, go out there. You can Google the listing if you want to see those photos. I mean, just Google the Chateau in Montecito and it will pop up um, and it'll give you a really clear idea of what we're describing. Um, And we'll share some photos on our Instagram as well. So um, now let's chat a little bit about Megan's previous home in LA. Before she met Prince Harry, she rented a 1924 colonial style home in LA's Hancock Park neighborhood. 
Um, so this home is very traditional. It's very different from the chateau. It's got a white exterior, a very flat front with no, you know, no porch or anything coming off of the home and black shutters. Um, I even noticed in the photo, there are black iron bars over the window. So I don't know a whole lot about LA neighborhoods, um, but that does tell me that at some point someone felt it necessary to have that added security. Um, so to me, that indicates that she was living in a much less private area that was much more accessible to paparazzi. So um, some of the photos we have from inside the home, um, I think they were also from a listing, which was probably when she was trying to, um, after she had moved out, when she was having it staged. And I, and I say that going back on what I just said, I did read that she rented the home. So I don't know if it was staged to be sold by the owner after she moved out, or if some point she did purchase the home. Do you know, Rachel? I have no idea. Um, okay, so the photos from the inside of the home, um, I, I don't really know if, if some of the decor here is her actual style or if it's stuff that she owned, but I can tell you it has a much more modern feel on the inside compared to the Montecito home. So the walls are a bright, crisp white color. Um, there's a lot of natural light coming inside and it was styled with bright tones and pops of color like blue and gold velvet pillows on white sofas, red and yellow wall art against white walls, um, and the floors were a light to medium tone wood. And then I also saw a coffee table that was like a gold toned metal sort of table. Um, so the kitchen in the home is quite small compared to the chateau, um, at least in the photo that I saw. It had a lot of natural light coming in. She had stainless steel appliances, white cabinets with modern shaker style doors um, and gold hardware. And the kitchen also had a marble backsplash. So very classic, um, you know, sort of traditional styling in the kitchen. Um, the bedroom, again, had lots of natural light with white walls. There was a low profile gray upholstered bed that was flush to the ground. Under the bed, the floor was covered with like a gold toned flat weave rug um, and a large statement, a piece of statement art um, was on the opposite wall of the bed. So under the art, we could see kind of a narrow console style table against the wall. Um, and that was pretty much what I was able to um, take from the photos of the home. So today I'm going to touch on little bits of inspiration from Megan's style and what we're able to gather from these two homes, uh, given that they're very different in style. I would say overall, her style is probably um, more on the clean, modern, earthy side with natural textiles and maybe even a little bohemian. That sounds exactly that? like her. Okay. Okay, good. I'm glad you agree. No, that's totally her aesthetic. So one thing we know is Megan loves a good candle, as we just said. Um, I imagine probably for both the ambiance and the scent. I also imagine she likes to bring the outdoors in. So that could be like a, a plant, like a large fiddle leaf fig or succulents, or maybe even fresh flowers on a vase in a, um, in a vase on a table somewhere. And then she also 
seems to prefer natural textiles like linen, cotton, or jute. Um, that could be like a jute rug, um, linen curtains, cotton sheets. Um, and she also likes natural elements like marble, stone, and wood. Um, we saw the marble backsplash in her kitchen. And then the fireplace at Montecito also had that marble uh, looking mantle. So. Um, we also know that she tries to support wellness brands and eco-friendly labels. I imagine that she is attracted to more calming, clean environments uh, based on her love of yoga and journaling. Hmm. So if you want to draw inspiration from Megan, um, try these tips. We'll, we'll go through these really quickly here. Um, first, pick a candle to set the mood in your home. Um, go with a natural wax like soy or beeswax and look for candles with essential oils. Also, dress your space with warm, neutral tones and breathable fabrics. So think white linen curtains, um, a beige linen sofa, maybe a flat weave rug made from natural fibers. Look for organic and responsibly made pieces if possible. Um, organic cotton sheets, organic pillows are both really great. Um, and even wicker baskets are pretty and they're a useful way to store items in your home. I have wicker baskets all over my home in the living room, in the bathroom. That's how I like to store things. They're so pretty. They're so pretty. And they're also really functional too. So I've got a console table in my living room that comes up, the legs, you know, come up a little high off the ground and there's a space underneath um, the shelf area. And I've got wicker baskets under there where I like to store like extra cords and stuff. And there's just yeah. a good way to keep things up off the floor. No, I love that. Um, you could also uh, bring in some live plants or fresh flowers in your home, um, you know, it's easy to go to a nursery and, and get something um, like a fiddle leaf fig. And I was actually at Trader Joe's the other day and they had really pretty hydrangeas and they had the green ones like Megan had in her home. So you can find those. I think they were probably four or $5 for a bunch of hydrangeas. I love hydrangeas. They might be one of my favorite flowers. They are pretty, yeah. You do have to change the water regularly or they will wilt easily, but, um, but they're beautiful flowers. So look for items also made of like glass instead of plastic. Um, think about things like stone planters, wooden tables, um, go with classic elements that never go out of style, like marble tile. Um, you could even do like marble drink coasters if you want a really affordable way to bring marble into your home. Um, and then also try mixing metal elements um, like gold, silver, or black tones um, somewhere into your decor. Look for clean line, minimalist furniture. Um, think like a metal coffee table or a metal narrow console table. That'd be an easy way to bring this um, like metal trend in. And then um, also a low profile bed, like um, in Megan's LA home, that makes more wall space, um, giving kind of an open, clean look because the bed is, is a little bit lower. It doesn't go as high up on your wall. Um, or you could try like a simple wooden blanket ladder um, in your living room to kind of cozy up your space. Um, and it's a really stylish way to layer your blankets and get them up off the sofa. 
Um, you could also bring in some color with art. Um, so look for unique pieces. I would say maybe like abstract paintings or even hanging a bohemian style tapestry on the wall um, would go great with an otherwise neutral toned room. I think that would really bring that um, that bohemian vibe in that that Megan tends to like. And we've seen Megan even go more, more bohemian in some of her fashion too. Absolutely. Um, so lastly, try styling a little nook in your kitchen or your living room um, with some good wine or tea or coffee. So you could do like a wine rack and fill it with your favorite wines, or you could do a coffee or tea station in your kitchen with a coffee maker or an espresso machine, um, and then style it with some of your favorite mugs or different variations of coffee and tea. I think this is great for entertaining if you have guests over, um, and it's a good way to take from Megan. We know she loves her wine. Um, you know, Harry is British, so I have to imagine he's a tea drinker, and then also. Um, you know, we've talked about clever brands before. So she's big into the, um, the lattes and the coffee drinks too. So that's it for um, our inspiration from Megan. I hope our listeners enjoyed that. Um, and especially Rachel for requesting that. Thank you for um, making that recommendation because um, it was a fun way to kind of mix up some of what we've been talking about and, and do something different quite a, a sea change from Balmoral, huh? <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> quite a 180. Well, I think that you and I both have some pancakes to make. So thank you listeners so much for tuning into episode 12 of Podcast Royal as always. Follow us on Instagram at Podcast Royal. Email us at hellopodcastroyal at gmail.com. And please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. We will see you lovely people next week. Bye. Bye.